I would encourage you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15 this morning. As you're doing that, I want to dismiss all of our children who are sixth grade and under. They're going to head upstairs with our leaders for what we call Kids Crew, a time of worship specifically for them on their level where they can engage with not only with the truth of the Bible, but leaders who invest in them. And as they make their way there and you're turning in your Bible to Luke chapter 15, let me, let me just speak to a couple of other things. I normally do this a little bit earlier in the service, but today we were, we were baptizing, which I would, uh, I would love to do. I, I, it's so much rather baptize someone than give you a few announcements, but still nonetheless, a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. Worship guide that you received when you came in this morning. You can follow along with our message on the backside of that and take notes this morning as we're going to be in this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 15. We're in the midst of a sermon series that we're calling The Good Shepherd, and we're looking at ways that we see the, the Bible instructs us as Jesus is our good shepherd. And so even in this particular passage this morning, it's really a, a passage about sheep, but we can't help but think about sheep without thinking about the shepherd who shepherds them. And we'll see that in this particular passage in Luke 15 today, the parable of the lost sheep. But also, I want to draw your attention to the announcements on the inside of that. We'll hear more specifically about our announcements later in the service. But one thing in particular I want to point out, and and there's an announcement about it, but you also see on the stage here these these two columns that say, who's your one? And then they have these these different colored uh, stickers, if you want to call it that, stuck to these columns. We are in the second week now of our Who's Your One evangelism campaign. And so Who's Your One is all about praying for the the lost. It's all about prayers of intercession for someone that the Lord has laid on our heart. And so each week, as we're in the midst of this, we are encouraging you to pray twice a day, to set an alarm on your phone for seven in the morning and seven o'clock at night, and to use Matthew 7, 7 as a scripture to guide you in your prayer. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. We're going to ask God that he would move in the hearts and lives of people that we're praying for. We're going to seek an opportunity to share the gospel, to share the message of Christ with them, and to to knock. We're going to take advantage. We're going to actively look for opportunities that we can share Christ and share our faith with people around us. And so seven in the morning, seven at night, we're setting alarms on our phone or your watch or however you might keep track of that as a reminder to pray twice a day for someone that the Lord has laid on your heart. And as you lift them to the Lord, know that you're not doing that alone. So we had these different pink colored stickers that you see represent 184 people that we were praying for by name this week to the Lord, that we were calling out twice a day by name for 100, at least 184 people that were indicated by you last Sunday that we were going to lift up an intercession this week to the Lord. And then you see some yellow stickers on a few of these as well. And those represent gospel conversations, opportunities that people had within the last week to share their faith somehow with someone. And listen, we trust that the Lord is the one who, who is in charge of the results. You and I aren't called to save anyone. We couldn't save ourselves, much less could we save anyone else. But we are called to be ambassadors for Christ and to share that message with others. And so we want to actively look for opportunities that we might 
share our faith and, and of course, intercede on behalf of those who are lost. And that's what this represents. And even in our invitation today, if the Lord is stirring your heart and you want to make a commitment to pray for someone this next week, we want to encourage you to come forward. Now, if, if you did that last week, don't feel like you have to do it again, but also don't feel like you can't do that again, okay? Uh, we just want to be actively looking for not only opportunity to pray for others, but ways that we might encourage one another. And this is just a visual representation of how we together as a church are lifting people in prayer. And we hope that's an encouragement to you that you might make the commitment to pray for someone. You're one. It doesn't have to be just one, by the way. Several people asked me last week, well, can I pray for more than one? And the answer is absolutely, right? Like I'm going to tell you, no, just one. You can pray for as many as the Lord lays on your heart, but we want to encourage you to pray for at least one, at least one person that you would call out by name to the Lord and, and then look for the opportunity to share the gospel with them in the coming days and weeks, okay? So that's going to be a part of our invitation even today that we want to draw your attention to. The good shepherd, and excuse me, in Luke chapter 15 today, when I was a boy, my mother would often quote to my brothers and I a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And she would often use that to remind us that you are gonna be known by the company that you keep, that the people who influence your life are gonna be the people that you spend time with, the people that you hang around, your friends, your, your acquaintances, your associates, people that you, that you spend time with are gonna have an influence on you. And so, that, of course, that's, that's a good, sound, biblical wisdom. But even as we think about that, it applies to this particular text this morning because we actually see that the backdrop for what's happening in Luke chapter 15 is what took place in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, we see that Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath and that drew the criticism of the religious leaders of his day, of the Pharisees as, as we know them, religious leaders of his day who really came down on him because they said, Jesus, this is, this is not right. This violates the law. And Jesus points out the fact that, that God's movement supersedes the law. And in fact, Jesus says, which one of you, if one of your, one of your oxen fell in a hole, wouldn't rescue him on the Sabbath? And they had nothing to say to that because they knew that this was true. Jesus points out to them that you guys are so focused on the letter of the law that you've forgotten the heart of the law. And then in Luke chapter 15, Jesus draws their criticism, raises eyebrows by the company that he keeps. We're going to see in the first two verses, Luke 15, 1 and 2. I, I thought it would be a good exercise for, for us to think about the company that we keep. Who are the people that you spend time with? Who are the people that you influence? The people that you, if you will, that you run around with or that you hang out with? The people that have an influence on you because of the amount of time? And importantly, who are the people that you are influencing who are the people that you are intentionally seeking out, spending time with, investing in them, praying for them, seeking to be salt and light, seeking to be an influence, a witness to them? I think that's a great way for us to begin the look at this passage this morning because as we begin to understand how the shepherd goes after lost sheep, I want us to understand that we all have a part to play as sheep, if you will, as part of God's flock, as sheep that are being shepherded by the good shepherd. We all have a part to play in encouraging one another, in caring for one another, in lifting one another up, and, and even in looking after one another. Now, ultimately, it's the good shepherd who chases after the lost. Ultimately, it's the good shepherd who wins the heart of the lost sheep. 
but we have a role to play in trying to encourage each other in this as well. And so I think that's a good way for us to begin our look at this text this morning, thinking about how God is stirring our hearts. We're in the midst of a season. God is stirring our hearts to pray for people around us, to intercede on behalf of our friends, our family, our coworkers, our network. And thinking about that as we turn our face to the scripture and we understand how Jesus came after us and how he might use us to go after others that he desires to win as well. So let's jump in. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Tax collectors and sinners, which would, of course, mean that the, the, the wrong sort of crowd, that Jesus was attracting the right kind of attention from the wrong kind of people, as it were, in his day. Now, of course, we know that was a part of his message. Jesus himself said that he didn't come to seek and save the law, uh, the, 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 those who are one other, but he came to seek and save the lost. This is what he tells us in, in Luke in chapter 19, verse 10. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we understand that Jesus says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was his mission. This was his purpose. And yet, it raised a few eyebrows among religious leaders of his day that tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus. Verse 2, we read, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, that word grumbled in the original language is what we would think of in, in our language as sort of an onomatopoeia. The word in the original language, when you read it, sort of sounds like grumbling. The whole point is that they were upset. They were, they were bothered by the company that Jesus kept. And let me just pause for a minute, okay? Now, you can take this too far and understand that there is a line. Again, I'll reference 1 Corinthians 15.33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, Proverbs 13.20 says, The man who walks with the wise will be wise, but a fool uh, will keep bad company, right? That, uh, there, there is biblical wisdom too. The idea that we need to surround ourselves with God's people and the people that we know that we spend time with, the people in our inner circle. But at the same time, we must understand as the people of God that we can become so, well, I've heard it put this way, okay? So let me, let me say it this way. We can become so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. And what I mean by that is we can wall ourselves off from the world in such a way that we lose sight of our mission field. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be on guard. We have to be careful about the way that the world influences us. We have to seek to influence the world rather than being influenced by the world. That has to be an intentional decision that we make. But we can become so separate from the world if we aren't careful that we lose the opportunity that we have to influence others. I wonder, would it be said of you the way that it was said of Jesus that you spend time with the wrong people? Would Religious people of our day, particularly, let's, let's call it self-righteous religious people, because that's really who the Pharisees represent, the self-righteous religious. And lest we let ourselves off the hook, that could be us in so many instances, right? But would the self-righteous religious people of our day, would they, would they look down their nose at you for the people that you spend time with? Are you spending time with people who need Jesus? Are you seeking to win an audience? There has to be a balance in your life. There has to be an intentional effort to influence others rather than be influenced by them. But we must be, we must be intentional, purposeful 
about taking the gospel, taking the message of Christ to those who need it the most. And I think that, in many ways, is not even really necessarily the the main point of this text, but that's the the background against which we understand this message this morning. I, I wanted to make that point. So, Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then verse 3, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost the one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he is found, that he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, you know what the great irony of this passage is when we read this passage? We tend to, if, honestly, if we're, if we're saved, if we're people in the church, we tend to associate ourselves with the flock that are in the open field. That's, if, if you were to read this story, if you're to be honest, you probably, you probably identify more as a part of the 99, the flock in the open field, than the one. But the irony of the story is there are no, there are no righteous persons who need no repentance. Are there? Think about it. And even if there were, certainly you wouldn't identify, I wouldn't identify as the righteous person who needs no repentance. We all have gone astray in our sins. We all, like sheep, have wandered away, and yet Jesus came after us. We were the one, and the shepherd pursued us, and he carried us on his shoulders, as it were, so that we might know that we might know the joy of his redemption. Jesus gave everything for us. And that's the irony sometimes when we read this that we miss, that there are no sheep when we we really relate this story to to the real life, real world, if you will. There are no righteous persons who need no repentance. We're all the sheep that have wandered astray. And so we learn some really important lessons in this text about the shepherd and his love for his sheep, we also learn some really important lessons in this text about the sheep. And I want us to look at at that along those lines this morning. Lessons about the shepherd and lessons about the sheep. You can see in your notes on the backside of your worship guide that we've sort of organized today's points along those two lines. Lessons about the shepherd, lessons about the sheep. The first lesson that we learn about the shepherd is this, is a good shepherd knows when his sheep are lost. A good shepherd knows when his sheep are lost. The good shepherd knows when the one has wandered away. Think about it. If you had a hundred sheep, how would you know that one had wandered away? Well, you'd have to count, but sheep don't necessarily stand still, do they? Sometimes you're trying to count heads and you're trying to see how many you have. It's tough to keep track of even just four or five or eight or ten, much less a hundred But the shepherd, a good shepherd, knows when his sheep are lost. He knows when they have wandered away. That's how well he knows his sheep. So I coach youth soccer. I've coached my youngest, Nixon, for years. And we have 11 boys on our team. And when you put 11 
nine-year-old and 10-year-old boys together on the soccer field, I wouldn't think of it so much as shepherding sheep. It's more like herding cats, you know? They're always on the move and we're trying to divide them up. And, and so oftentimes we have to put bright colored jerseys on them like target jerseys or pennies, they call them in, in soccer. We've got to put the pennies on them so that we can, okay, which one are you and, and which side are you supposed to? It's, we, we've got to keep them separate even with just 10 or 11 of them so that we can know what are we drilling and what are we doing? I can't imagine a hundred sheep and yet a good shepherd knows when his, when his sheep wander away. He knows when, when they're lost and he knows to go after them. And certainly Jesus is the good shepherd doesn't just have a hundred sheep, right? There are seven billion people on the planet today. And apart from the saving knowledge of Christ, every one of us is a sheep that have wandered away. Now, thank God that there are Millions, hundreds of millions who have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that means that even at that, there are billions in our world today that don't know Jesus. And yet the Father knows every one of them by name. He knows not only that, he knows the number of hairs on their head. So intimately does the Father know, the shepherd know his sheep. And he knows when they wander away. Second important lesson we learn about the shepherd is that a good shepherd will pursue his lost sheep. It's not just that the shepherd knows when the one has wandered away, but he will pursue his sheep. He will go after the sheep. You know, really, if you do the math, if you have 100 and you only lose one, that's 99% is still a pretty good percent, right? I mean, if you make it home with 99 sheep, you've done pretty well. Sometimes with four kids, it seems like, hey, if we get back with all four of them, we've done okay, right? Losing one isn't that, you know. 99 is not too bad, really, statistically speaking. And yet, a good shepherd will leave the 99 in the open country to go after the one. Because he loves his sheep. Because not only does he know when the sheep wanders away, but he will, he will go after the lost sheep. As I mentioned already in Luke 19 Verse 10, Jesus says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This was the reason why Jesus had come into the world was to seek after his sheep which were lost. The good shepherd will pursue his lost sheep. He pursues us. God is constantly at work pursuing us. Even when we're unaware of it, even when we don't realize it, when we don't know, the father is lovingly pursuing us in our sin and our rebellion as we've wandered away from him. Praise God that he pursues us. Praise God that he's coming after us. Because if it were up to us to realize that we were lost on our own, if it were up to us to come after him apart from the work of the spirit, the work of God's people in, in revealing the love of God to us, then we would all be in trouble. And yet the father loves us and he pursues us and he uses even his people, his church, to show the love. That's why it's so important that we would share the gospel with people is because we become a part of the Father's pursuit when we share the love of God with others, when we share the gospel with people around us. We are an instrument that the Father uses to pursue his lost sheep. Third, we see this, a good shepherd will carry his sheep. He will carry his sheep. Jesus says in this parable that the shepherd will find the sheep. He will leave the 99 in the open country. He will find the lost sheep and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Now, here's the truth about sheep. Sheep that wander away wander off for a reason. And often times it's because they're stubborn, right? It's not, it's not so much that they get lost from the herd as much as they choose to leave the herd. We wander off in our sin and yet 
Father pursues us. He lovingly comes after us. And when he finds us, he'll carry us. He'll put us on his shoulders and carry us, as it were. Carry us back to the herd, back to the flock. He'll lovingly discipline us when necessary to bring us back into a right relationship with him. The good shepherd will carry his sheep. In a few weeks, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. And when we look at that passage in 1 Peter 5, we're going to marry it to a companion passage in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11. And Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 tells us that that as the shepherd, the good shepherd, will tend his flock, he will gather lambs in his arms and carry them gently in his bosom. This is how the Father loves us. This is a picture of the love that the good shepherd has for us, that he will carry us as his sheep. Fourth lesson that we learn about the shepherd in this passage is that a good shepherd delights in finding his sheep. What does it say happens here when the shepherd finds the sheep and brings the sheep home? He gathers together his neighbors and and his friends and he says with them, rejoice with me. In other words, the shepherd throws a party for the sheep that is found. He throws a party over the one that is found. There is much rejoicing over the one who has who has been found. A good shepherd delights in finding his sheep. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 tells us that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We wandered away like sheep, but the shepherd, the overseer of our souls, found us. And he carried us back. It was because of him that we have been saved, that we have been redeemed. And now there is much rejoicing. You know, it's often been said that there is much rejoicing in heaven when one comes to Christ, when one comes to faith. And it's true. And that's exactly what this passage teaches us. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. A good shepherd delights in finding his sheep. So this is important to us that we, that we learn about the shepherd and the, and the love that the shepherd has and the care that the shepherd has for his sheep. A good shepherd knows when his sheep are lost. A good shepherd will pursue his sheep. A good shepherd will carry his sheep. And a good shepherd will rejoice When his sheep are found. But not only do we learn lessons about the good shepherd in this passage, we learn lessons about the sheep. This passage teaches us some things about ourselves as well. And not only us, but 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 everyone, all who are lost, which as we've said, really is everyone apart from a saving knowledge of Jesus. Everyone who doesn't know the Lord fits the, the picture here of the lost sheep. And at one point in time, that was all of us. By God's grace, many of us have been found. We have Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we understand that there are many yet who don't know him. Many lost sheep, if you will, who need Jesus, who need to know the shepherd. So we learn these lessons about the sheep. The first lesson is this. Sheep need a shepherd who knows them. Sheep need a shepherd who knows them. Why? Because sheep are stubborn. Because sheep are stubborn. Because sheep willfully wander away, don't they? We sing a great hymn, and and there's a line in the hymn where we say, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's in that, that hymn, come thou fount of every blessing. But that's true of us, prone to wonder. We as sheep are prone to wonder. We wonder astray. 
And, and let's be clear. It's not just some sheep. It's all sheep. It's all of us, right? All of us fall into this category of sheep who need a shepherd that knows them because we are all guilty. We all wrestle against the sin nature. I have a good friend. Well, you met him a few weeks ago. Chris Wall, Dr. Chris Wall preached from our pulpit a few Sundays ago, the weekend that we had our marriage conference. And when we worked together, when we were working together, many times Chris would say, uh, we'd meet together, we'd have accountability and prayer together. And he would say, fellas, we're all one decision from dumb. Let's take care. Let's guard our hearts. Let's guard our lives. We're all one decision from dumb. And that's true, isn't it? All of us have the propensity to wander away in sin. We do that. We do that. And we need a shepherd who knows us because we all tend to stray. We all tend to wander away. Praise God. That is exactly the kind of shepherd we have. A shepherd who knows us. A shepherd who knows us intimately, who loves us. Secondly, we we see this. Sheep lose their way. Not only do sheep need a shepherd who knows them, but we see that sheep lose their way. The sheep, they, they lose sight of what matters. They lose sight of the rest of the flock. They lose their way. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe, maybe this describes you. Maybe this accurately, aptly describes you. You today could identify that you are the sheep who has lost its way. Maybe there's been a point in your past where you walked with the Lord. Maybe there was a time in your past when you confessed the Lord as, as, as Lord and Savior. You, you, you called out to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You know that you surrendered your heart to him. And yet, honestly, today, if we were to measure your life today, your life isn't surrendered to him. You're the sheep that has lost its way. Maybe you're here today and there's never been a point where you have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. There's never been a moment in your life where you have called out to him as Lord and Savior, that moment when you have asked him to come in your life, forgive you of your sins, and confessed him as Savior and Lord. Sheep lose their way. And if that's you today, if you're the sheep that has lost their way, can I encourage you? You're in the right place today. There's no better time to come back than now. And you may say, but You don't understand all the things that I've done. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know the things that you've done. Maybe maybe I can't relate in as much as I have the same shared experiences, but I can relate in this much. I've wandered away too. I've lost my way. I've rebelled in sin against the Savior. I've turned my back on the Lord in ways that I shouldn't. And what I've found at every point is there is a Savior, a shepherd who knows me, And who comes after me and will carry me even when I wander away. And today you need to hear that truth. Jesus loves you and he knows you and he's willing to carry you if you've wandered away. Third, we learn this that, well, I've said it already, sheep wander into danger. Why do we need a shepherd that knows us? Because we lose our way and we wander into danger. Now, let's be clear. Sometimes sin doesn't feel that scary. Sometimes the sin doesn't seem, if we're to be honest, sins that we do, sins that we, that we struggle with, the things that we, that we give into, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. It doesn't feel that dangerous in the moment. But let's be clear. There is always a danger to sin because sin is rebellion against God. It's a rebellion against our Savior. Romans chapter one categorizes it that way, that our sin is open rebellion against the creator God. 
And it's always dangerous for us to surrender to sin rather than being surrendered to our Savior, shepherd of our souls. There's a danger in giving in to sin. There's danger in submitting to temptation. There's a danger in, in letting ourselves be swept away and carried away with sin because one sin turns into a few sins, turns into a way of sin, turns into a full-on lifestyle of sin, right? It's a slippery slope for sure. We wander away into danger, and yet we have a shepherd who's willing to take on any form of danger. There's nothing he won't do to protect us, to carry us, to win us back when we wander away. And we as sheep, we need this, we need this shepherd, a shepherd who loves us because we wander into danger, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. But then it goes on to say, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. In other words, Lord, I understand my propensity to wander into danger, to wander into sin, but Lord, I want to make a commitment. Here's my heart. Take it, God. May it be yours. May you keep my heart so that you would keep me from sin. Praise God. That's exactly who we have in our Savior, in our shepherd. Sheep wander into danger. Fourth, we learn this about sheep. Sheep need to be carried by the shepherd. Sheep need to be carried by the shepherd. Why does the shepherd carry the sheep? Because the sheep need to be carried, right? Because the sheep are stubborn. They don't always come willingly. Sometimes it's by a manner of force that the shepherd will, will hoist a sheep up on his shoulders to carry him back. But he does that because he knows what the sheep need and he's willing to pursue stubborn sheep that wander away. We as sheep, we wander into sin. We stray. We, we lose our way. And yet, we have a Savior who knows us, who pursues us, a Savior who will come after us and ultimately who will carry us. And when the sheep are found, there's rejoicing. He delights in the sheep that are found. Sheep need to be carried by the shepherd because sheep are stubborn, because sheep wander away. I wonder today, I wonder today if you can identify with the sheep that has lost its way. I wonder if you can identify with the sheep that perhaps needs the shepherd to to hoist them on their shoulders and carry them back. Would you today be willing to turn your heart to the Savior, the shepherd, the overseer of your soul, as 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25 describes Jesus? Would you be willing today to surrender your heart to him? In a moment, we're going to have a time of response, a time of invitation. And in our invitation today, I want to make this so clear. If, if you are the one that, that, that the Lord is speaking to today, you're the one who has wandered away. You're the one who has lost their way. Then today, would you be willing to come back? Today, would you be? Let this be the day that, that you turn your heart back to the Lord, that you turn your heart back to him. And you may not know everything that that, that entails, right? I mean, it may, be, it may just be that the Lord is working on your heart, but you know this. You know that you've lost your way, and you know that the shepherd has come after you, the Savior has come after you. It, coming back looks like this. It begins with, it begins with recognizing the shepherd who has pursued you. It begins with just confessing where you are by saying, Lord, I've wandered away. I've lost my way. God, would you, would you take me as I am? Hear me. 
You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to get your life right to come back to him. You don't have to fix every problem, turn from every sin, do everything. You have to just willingly say, Lord, here I am. This is where I'm at. I I confess that I need you. And let the shepherd, let the Savior be the one who carries you back to him today. If you would just but confess your sin to him, recognize your need for the shepherd, the overseer of your soul to carry you, then he will do what a good shepherd does. He will carry you. He will lead you by his grace. Maybe you're here today and it's not so much that you've wandered away as the fact that you've just never been found, again, to use this analogy. There's never been that moment when you've surrendered your life to Jesus the shepherd, the overseer of your souls, then today, would you let this be the day that you would surrender your life to Jesus? Would you be willing today to cry out to him and confess him as Lord and Savior, to say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Would you come in my life now and save me? I confess you as Savior and Lord. Would you allow Jesus to to be your good shepherd today by confessing your sins and trusting him for the forgiveness of those sins, crying out to him as Lord and Savior? In our invitation today, if that's you, we want to encourage you. You would come forward and let our staff pray with you. Let us pray that that prayer of commitment along with you, kind of walk you through that, really, that you might confess him as Lord and Savior of your life today. However God is speaking, we want to encourage you. And thirdly, there's this point. Maybe you're here today, and maybe maybe you would say, you know what, right now I'm really, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm not the person who's wandered away, perhaps. I'm not the one who's never surrendered my life to Jesus. But no doubt you know people who have wandered away. No doubt you know people who have wandered. And today, would you be willing to intercede on their behalf? Would you be willing to lift them up to the Father and to begin actively pursuing opportunities to share about this good shepherd Jesus with them? If that's you and you want to make a commitment to pray for someone, or even if you want to share that you've been praying and you've had a conversation, a gospel conversation with someone in the last week, we would encourage you, come forward during the invitation and, and let us know. Peel off that pink sticker if you, and, and stick it to the board if you want to pray for someone, if you want to make a commitment to pray, or if you've had that gospel conversation, peel off that yellow sticker and stick it to the board. What does that do? That shares with other people that, that you're praying and that, and that God is working. And that becomes an encouragement to everyone else because we see that none of us are in this alone, that we're all in this together to encourage one another, to pray for others, to lift up those in our community, that we might be the people of God who would actively go after his sheep in the community around us. And so however God is moving and stirring in your heart today, we pray that you would move in response and obedience to that during our time of invitation. And I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then after that, we're going to sing a song. And this is going to be our moment, our, our time of response. And if God is moving in your heart, you can come and receive Christ today. You can come and let our staff pray with you. You can come and just kneel here in the altar and pray if you'd like to do that or respond that you're going to be praying for someone this week. Lots of ways that you can respond today. And we pray that you would move and respond as the Lord stirs your heart this morning in our invitation. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we do thank you that you lovingly